Hi, this is Coco Baskets, the sporty and spicy drag queen, and you are listening to the Level Playing Field podcast. Hey, Coco, welcome to my podcast. Hi, how are you today, Randy? I'm doing well. The way I usually start my podcast, and this episode will be a little different, is I ask, what is your earliest childhood memory? Right, so uh, I think my earliest childhood memory was at a family picnic in a park in Oshawa, Ontario. And I recall there being a couple dogs getting into a bit of a kerfuffle and a a fight around me. And um, I remember that being my earliest memory because for a long time I was very afraid of dogs. But... Luckily, since then, I've met a lot of cool dogs, and I'm actually a big dog lover. How old were you at this point? Oh, gosh. I I know I was, like, barely walking, I guess. Like, I would have probably been a toddler. I don't know. Um, Oh, wow. Yeah, no, but it's it's a very vivid memory. I remember having, like, two very angry dogs, like, circling around me and jumping on each other. (laughs) Do you remember it, like, as, like, the whole story, or is it, like, flashes of memory? Because that's how I remember my, my earliest memories. Yeah, it's just a flash, I would say, like just um, the way my mom remembers it, like she remembers this very well, too. She remembers that one of the dogs knocked me over. Uh, and I think I remember like looking up to the sky with just like, a couple dogs going at each other. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. Were you into sports growing up? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Basically from the time I came out of the womb. What sports did you like to play? I went through a bit of a sports evolution, I suppose. When I was really young, I, I liked just playing road hockey and doing the the old Canadian thing. But my my parents put me through baseball and then through basketball. Uh, and those are the sports that I think I really excelled at. I basically played baseball from the time I was, um, you know, in T-ball all the way through high school. And I still play in softball leagues to this day. And I started playing basketball, I'd say around like age 10 or so in, in leagues. And then um, played quite competitively up until... 14, uh, which is strange because that's around when I hit my growth spurt. So I'm like six foot one right now, out of heels. <laughs> but uh, I stopped playing before I started growing, which was probably a mistake on my part. But uh, I do pl- play pickup ball still, and I'm uh, I've always just enjoyed getting my exercise that way. Did you also watch it? Watch basketball and baseball? Yes. So if you ever visited like any of my childhood homes. My dad always had like a living space that was just covered in his sports memorabilia. My dad is the biggest sports fan I know. Basically, that was what brought our family together on weekends or evenings. We would just sit together and watch the Blue Jays play or the Raptors play, uh, the Leafs. And my my dad, I think he comes from like a lineage of sports fans, really like. My dad was named after a baseball player. He named me after a baseball player. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I imagine that when I have a little one of my own, I'll probably name them after a baseball player <laughs> or maybe a basketball player. How do you identify? How do I identify? Yeah. Um, you mean like pronouns? Yeah, and um, sexuality. Oh, yes. Okay. Uh, well, he, him pronouns out of drag. In drag, Coco's a very fishy girl, so, you know. Uh, I I prefer that you call me she when I'm serving full cocoa because otherwise I think that's just a little bit of 
an insult towards all the work that I put into my makeup. Oh, yeah. It's, it's <laughs> um, I mean, that's what it should be. <laughs> exactly. And uh, sexuality-wise, for me, it's, it's still very much so evolving, I suppose. Oh, okay. Um, for the first, like, 25 years of my life, I was really just identifying as straight man. And um, it's really only been this last year or so where I've started to really investigate that. And I did a lot of meditating, a lot of self-reflection. I guess now, like, I, I would consider myself pansexual. I'm attracted to just all sorts of people and all sorts of personalities. I really believe in hearts over parts. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's strange because as I started to come out more with, with my sexuality and as I started to kind of tell family and friends, it was also at the same time that I was experimenting in drag. So <laughs> I really came out with a bang, you could say. Like everyone was like, oh, okay, <laughs> yes, now. Um, so in, in adolescence, their teen years, you just dated girls? You didn't at least think maybe about guys or... Oh, no, I definitely did think about guys, but I was dating girls. I, I grew up in a small town uh, in Ontario, mm-hmm. and I think that might have contributed to that. Plus, like, going to the Catholic school system, there, there wasn't a lot of encouragement <laughs> right. into exploring your sexuality, at least not in my circles. Um, so for me, I, I definitely felt attraction towards people, and I think that that was often met with a lot of sort of... Um, that was met with a lot of negative, rep, like self-reprimanding, I guess you could say. Um, I would beat myself up a lot over my my thoughts, and that continued like even into my adult years. And I'm really happy now that I can just sort of embrace my feelings and just um, just be the loud and boisterous and out there person I feel like I've always been. Oh yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. As as a teen. Did you talk to anyone about your sexuality or did you, was there anyone you can go to or did you even want to do that at that time? Because you mentioned your, your faith and, and uh, growing up in the church, it seems like that. And I know from my own experience that the guilt that comes along with that, it makes you just want to keep it quiet, keep it within and weighs you down usually, at least it did for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I would definitely say as a teenager, I I didn't um, want to investigate it, I, and I didn't want to talk to anyone about it. When my mom and my dad split when I was fourteen, they actually put me into like uh, into therapy. Like they wanted me to to see a therapist, and I recall not wanting to talk to him, not wanting to open up or say anything to him. I just wasn't really ready to uh, investigate myself, I guess, <laughs> in that sense. Was and, the therapy um, just for the divorce, or did they... Yeah, yeah, I think they thought that they just, you know, effed me up. <laughs> so, and to be you fair, can it was say a fuck, very by explosive the ending I don't to, care. to that relationship. Sorry? You can say fuck, by the way, I don't care. Oh, okay, cool. I wasn't sure if I could say fuck, so you can uh, expect the floodgates to open now. Fuck, fuck, shit, shit. <laughs> All right. Were you, are you an only child, or do you have siblings? I, I have an older brother, and um, he was always kind of like a mentor to me he he was the one who uh he was also very sporty and he would teach me all sorts of you know things on the basketball court or whatnot he was, he was probably an even more talented basketball player than I ever was but uh he was certainly a mentor to me and he still is in many ways how much older is he than you are 
Uh, three and a half years. Okay, so he would be close to 18 Yeah, he your parents' divorce. just pretty much leaving high school around the time that my, my parents split. Okay. And, uh, now, when you come out to... How, do you, how does the come out process happen for you, for your family, your mom and dad? Since they're divorced, does it happen separately, or...? Yeah, How does that um, work? strangely enough, I kind of came out to them as a drag queen at the same time that I came out about my sexuality. And even then, like, um, when I had those first conversations with them, my sexuality for myself was still very much so a question mark. Like, I, I knew that I wasn't straight, but I didn't really know how to put it into words because I didn't feel like I was on the opposite end of that spectrum either. So I was sort of giving them, like, a almost like a warning, like, hey, I've been playing around in drag and I'm about to release a YouTube channel and you might see me, so here's your little heads up. And in doing so, the conversation obviously grew around to my sexuality. And um, my dad in particular kind of thought that doing drag only meant that you're doing it to attract men. He thinks that that's what the purpose of drag is. Um, I sort of had to talk to him about the artistry behind drag and how it's not just about trying to get laid it's about self-expression and so many other things but you know around that conversation I had I had to address it and I had to say well you know maybe I'm not straight and that's okay and was this in last year you said yeah this is all really recent still so um <laughs> wow I'm really out with a bang that's what I like yeah you are <laughs> I guess I've never really thought about the purpose of drag just because like you said it's always been about the artistry for me I've never thought about it as getting guys. It's an interesting thought. Well, it's definitely um, like a, I would say a small minded or a small small town kind of thought. I wouldn't necessarily say small minded, but uh, it's a generational thing too. I it's think. a generational thing. Let's say that it's definitely a generational thing. I think you know my dad obviously comes from a different time, and that I think I have to have a lot of patience with him and for him for that reason because. I know he's not going to warm up to what I'm doing immediately, but uh, he's always been my number one supporter with everything else I've ever done. So I imagine with time, um, he's going to he's going to take to what I'm doing and appreciate it. But uh, yeah. Okay, so I just had a thought. Yeah, I'm saying generational thing, but your dad is probably close to my age. Um, how old is your dad? How old you are? How old I'm you are? 44. My, my dad's uh, 62. Oh, okay, cool. I am younger. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm 44, so. Yeah, no, there difference. you go. How is your relationship with your dad now? To be honest, this is probably some of the most friction that we, we've had. Like I said, we, we were always very close. We still are. Um, I, I still, I went to a, a baseball game with him even last week, but uh, the topic didn't come up too much. Um, I'm slowly trying to warm him back into what my new life is, I guess. Mm-hmm. It's it's definitely a turbulent time right now, I would say. Like, there's, there's a lot of awkwardness there, but my dad still does have a lot of love for me, and he's does still support me. And he, he even said, like, I, I will support you through no matter what. It's just the, the stipulation to that at the moment is that he's not going to watch anything that I'm doing right now on my YouTube channel. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. Still, though, that's good that you still have the love and support for the most part. Yeah, I think I have a good set of parents, even through the, the whole messy divorce. Um I also like I have a stepdad now and he's been super supportive him and my mom anxiously wait to watch my next episode and all that. So they're one of your top viewers? Yeah, yeah, probably. They're probably my two top fans right now. That's funny. 
Let's talk about drag. Sure. When did you start getting into drag? Right. I so, mean, as, as a child, were you dressing up? Well, you know, funny enough, as a child, my mom was very encouraging towards us when it came to just self-expression and like we, we she actually had like a like a, a little costume box that we could just dress ourselves up in i can't re- recall whether there was like you know ge- gendered clothing in there or not i feel like it was more like fireman or police person or whatever uh, i would say that like my theatricality was definitely fostered from a very early age and i i loved performing in like school plays and stuff like that and i i studied theater in university so that sort of performative Part of me has always been there and drag in particular i guess was introduced into my life in my last relationship we were watching rupaul's drag race and for me i think i had had a lot of preconceived notions about what drag meant but then seeing sasha velour in that show and um if you're not very familiar with the show sasha is a very uh, a very artsy queen i guess you could say but um very just very high couture and she's bald she's not really your conventional looking queen and she um really just brings out her personality and and what drag means to her through her drag and that was so very apparent watching that show and watching her her season so for me when i saw sasha velour and i saw what drag could mean and and how much it really is about um like living your true self in whatever skin you'd like to wear that resonated with me and I started just almost like fantasizing about trying drag and um, my my ex who, who had introduced me to RuPaul's Drag Race was a makeup artist. So uh, I had the pleasure of experiencing my first time in drag at the hands of a very talented makeup artist. And we did a whole reveal or reveal, if you will. <laughs> and when I saw myself in that state for the first time, it's like something just kind of clicked. There was a little bit of like almost nervousness and apprehension around it, but there's also like an excitement and a readiness just to live in, in that skin and just kind of be that. And then um, the idea to sort of combine my, my lifelong love for sports with drag performance came shortly after that. It just kind of like dawned on me where it was like, I could just, you know, dish about NBA and basketball and all these things that I'm really passionate about right now and do so through you know the lens and the personality of like the fun and flirty drag queen who I really feel like I can be <laughs> and it's been a journey since then like I've been teaching myself how to do makeup it's it's been uh, there's been ups and downs to that process but uh, I've also really immersed myself in the Toronto drag community and there are some really supportive people here and it's really just a great community to be in and it's it's really been just a blast it seems like canada especially the bigger cities toronto vancouver montreal it seems it really is accepting to the lgbtq community as a whole Do, right. does it seem that way to you yeah well i mean for us uh like gay marriage has been part of us as a country and it, it's been legal here since i think 2004 or the early 2000s. I should have done this research beforehand. Whoops. <laughs> um, but I think it was 2004. So it's ever since I was a kid, ever since I was, you know, 10 years old, it's been just part of our culture, which means that it's been normalized and, and it's just 
okay in that sense. I can't really imagine what it, what it would be like to grow up in a, a part of the world where there's still such a stigma around marriage in particular. Mm-hmm. Even like even within the Catholic school system, yes, it was it wasn't really taught much, but there's still an acceptance of it in Canada. Like um, there were still like many other gay kids in, in my school or there, who I I heard that there was some bullying. I never really experienced it, but like I, I'm I know it, I know what happened. But at the same time, there was still like there's still a general a general acceptance of it. I guess yeah. You mentioned bullying, though, in high school. Do you think it's because you didn't... I imagine you didn't seem like the stereotypical gay kid. You probably fit in playing sports, and so you probably didn't notice it, right? Yeah, me? No, I I didn't uh, experience it personally. I wasn't bullied. I I was kind of a, a social butterfly, to be honest. I was sporty. I was also in the theater community there. I was in student council yearbook. So I would float around different groups, and I... I think that my just my my outgoingness and my my socialness and my comedy kind of just like brought me I don't know it I think it just allowed me to fit in with many different groups which kind of mm-hmm. worked that's cool out for me I do know that there were people who didn't have the same experience as me in high school and for that reason I know I'm I experienced I guess a, some privilege in my teenage years in that like I was able to just pass as straight white man you know and that's something that i'm i'm now kind of reckoning with in a way it's like i I still have that privilege as a pansexual drag queen i can either be flamboyantly uh cross-dressing and gay or i can be passing a straight white man so i have these two very different you know masks that i can wear and um there's actually a lot of power to that too i think what does it take you to snap into the the Coco persona. I mean, is it you start getting into the makeup or how? Strangely, <clears throat> sorry. Strangely enough, strangely enough, I would say that uh, as I've been playing more and more with Coco, Coco has been leaking more into my day to day life. So, like, yes, Coco kind of like comes into her fullest when I'm in full hair and makeup, and when I'm looking absolutely fine. But uh, at the same time. I think that there's a there's like a key to my personality that was just waiting to be unlocked, I guess, and Coco is helping to unlock that. It's something that I, I know I had when I was a kid and when I was a teenager, but somewhere in my adult years I started to suppress that a little bit. And just like I, I call it like flamboyantness almost, but just like this bounciness, this airiness that I feel like I've always had in my personality, that was really held back for a while. And now it's just coming coming out again why do you think it was held back do you think it was just societal norms or just something in you you just weren't ready for that i think honestly uh i think part of it was i was trying to be a serious actor for a while and i was being told time and time again that uh i had to be a certain way to be a performer and my performance style just wasn't working for this or for that so i started to really try to just make myself more serious than i think i've ever been (laughs) Yeah, so uh, that and I don't know, I think I just surrounded myself just with like these thoughts and these ideas of how a man should act and forgot that, you know, you can just you can just be who you really want to be. And that's when you're actually the most attractive. Yeah, 
Yeah, I, I look at these kids now. My son's 14. And I went on a field trip a few years ago. There was a, um, she was born a young girl. Mm-hmm. And that didn't fit who she was. And so one of the other parents on the bus made a reference to her being a girl. And the conversation she had with her friend about, oh, these people, these old people. <laughs> and so I think it's funny to see how the younger generation gets it. And I think when, as they grow up, as they get in control of things, that's when we really will have a freer society. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah, things I, are already changed that. so much. Absolutely. I, I agree with you on that, actually. I'm, I take a lot of inspiration from younger generations, to be honest. I, my day job, I, I work at uh, York University in Toronto, and I see the, like, the new generations of university students coming in, and I, I take a lot of inspiration from that because they are very focused on what change they want to bring to the world. And that's what I see time and time again whenever I talk to someone who's younger than myself. And it's, it's, it is inspiring. And it, it, it is honestly what I want to try and bring into to my craft, too. Yeah. So what are you doing with your craft? You have the YouTube channel, which mm-hmm. right now you can go to, and I'll have links in the show notes. Right now you're talking a lot of NBA playoffs, which in a little bit we're going to talk NBA playoffs here. Sure. But besides that, what do you, what do you want to do with Coco? Where do you see Coco in the future? Right. Well, um, so yeah, currently Coco lives on Queen of the Court, which is a YouTube channel. And uh, of course, I do dish about everything NBA. And uh, that, this is a great start for Coco. Like, I, I do like having Coco in a sphere where uh, she can reach a broader audience than just the, the gay clubs in Toronto. You know, like, I, I want the average sports fan to be able to, to come and, and see Coco and, and maybe get an, a different idea about. Uh, what gender means to them, you know, <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and and maybe even a different idea of what a drag queen might mean to them. So that's that's a big goal of mine for Coco. I also want uh, to be able to reach people from all different corners who might be apprehensive about sports and about basketball and give them an, an entry point into the conversation, give them someone who who can make basketball a little bit more fun and approachable. And that's what that was the the inspiration behind the YouTube channel. I I do perform in the city now too. I I've really just started my uh, on stage career as a drag queen, mm-hmm. just hitting up the the open stages. And I've um, I've even been booked now for a, a Saturday night performance in the future uh, with uh, this uh, lovely drag queen named Seance. Seance knows who's a um, medium based. Uh, drag queen she really sees the future yes so really I should be consulting her on my predictions anyway. yeah <laughs> um yeah so that's where I'm at now and for the future for Coco oh my I don't know I, like obviously I, I love performing and I, I do want to keep doing this uh, on stage live performance stuff I, I would love to host like a NBA finals viewing party at like a sports bar I think that would be great uh, long-term future, geez, I don't know. I think that Coco belongs on like a sports network. <laughs> really, that's the goals and the ambition right there. Let's let's see if uh, TSN in in Canada or Sportsnet will pick me up or or long long-term goals somewhere in the states. You never know. <laughs> Do you ever have dreams of doing RuPaul Drag Race? Uh, I I need a lot of work before then, honey. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, maybe I don't know. Uh, I'm I'm only in my first like year of doing drag, like less than a year, six months of doing drag. So uh, I need to learn a lot about costuming and makeup before I would ever feel comfortable on RuPaul's Drag Race. But geez, I don't know. If they want me, they can have me. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> Let's move on to the NBA. And before yes. we talk predictions, I want to talk about Game Two, Toronto. And you go into the game. Yes. Yeah, so uh, I decided almost on a whim that Coco needs to exist not just in the internet sports sphere or in gay bars, but she needs to exist in real life physical sports sports spheres. You know, like I, I wanted to bring her to a game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... Um, I kind of decided like the night before, I'm like, I think I'm going to show up and drag. So I, I messaged my friend who I was going with and I was like, is it cool if, if I go in full drag, if I show up as Coco? And he was like, yeah, you know what? I've been waiting for you to ask. <laughs> really? So yeah, no, he, he was super supportive of it. And um, yeah, so I got together with, with a friend of mine. We like painted together and that afternoon and uh i went out in drag and i was so so nervous heading into it honestly my mind was just racing through like every possible thing that could go wrong or right for that matter like i was living through scenarios of some drunk asshole calling me the f word or like what happens if some kid comes up to me in line and says like hey are you a drag queen and then i could like talk to them about it and like you know (laughs) <laughs> learn them something uh so I, I i went through all that in my mind sure enough like it, it ended up just being a really normal really cool experience which was what made it so great it just felt like i was there like any other night really and i just belonged like any other night that i'd ever been and on top of that the raptors won by 29 points we found a a way to stop dj augustine from playing above his uh his level <laughs> and uh it was just such a positive experience. It was great. And I had people coming up to me and complimenting me on my outfit and telling me I was looking stylish and all that. So uh, it just, I don't know, it just really cemented this idea that I, I kind of already had in my head that Toronto is just a good place for me right now and for, for being this this queer folk that I am. So you're 6'1", you said, right? Yeah. Without heels. Without heels. With heels. What six? Yeah, so four, I decided. <laughs> so I decided to wear my patented Converse platform heels. So even on the toe, there was an extra couple inches on those, which meant that I was standing at about six foot six. I had measured myself before in those, and that's that's where I'm at. So I was definitely getting a lot of up downs. People were like, people were checking me out. They were, they were starting with their eyes down at my heels and working their way up to the very top. Um, and, uh, I, I have to admit, there's no way for me not to have stood out when I was, when I was towering over people like that. But, uh, yeah. It's funny because I'm in a, uh, a supporter group. I watch English football and mm-hmm. Crystal Palace is my team and Proud and Palace. One of the people that do their own podcast, Emma, I'm in a WhatsApp chat with them. And in my WhatsApp feed this morning, there's a link to your story 
Oh. To your uh, Twitter feed, actually. Oh. And Emma goes, this has really made my morning. <laughs> so it's reaching England. Wow. Oh, my God. That's so amazing. Yeah, no, I, I, I did, like, send out a tweet that was just sort of, like, thanking the Toronto fan base. And I, I had included a few photos in it and all that. And it's been getting shared a ton. Like, uh, yeah, it's probably my, my most successful tweet to this day. Uh, but <laughs> it's uh I, I wish that you know what like um I wish that people cared more about my my thoughts on on some of these other series is going on and but uh, I'm happy that people appreciated uh that I that I did that I guess I don't know like it's I've, I've had a lot of love thrown my way from from posting that and it's I'm happy to hear that it's reached overseas now it's gone across the pond <laughs> yeah do you think you'll do it again this, oh, for sure. Uh, when's your next game you're going to? Do you know yet? Mm, I'm not sure. Uh, I think I could budget one more game this playoffs, perhaps. But well, uh, I think the Raptors need to hook it up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, they, they they should bring me. They should put me courtside. Yeah, they, they would love my uh, my creative taunts that I was throwing at the at the Magic too. <laughs> so. Yeah, no, because I, I do my research and I come in like prepared if I'm gonna heckle. So yeah, so I, I was heckling at the last game a little bit. Uh, I told DJ Augustine that uh, game one was a fluke and that he's so mediocre that he wouldn't even start for Atlanta, which is like pretty true to be honest. Like you can look, look through the their roster there and it, it's it's pretty accurate. <laughs> let's move on to playoffs. Let's yes, talk let's do predictions. It. Okay, you want to start in the East? Sure. So, I mean, I I did release some, like, official predictions before any of these series have started, and I feel like I have to make some amendments now that I've seen how things have, have begun. Yeah, but uh, and starting in the East, yeah, where, where, where do we want to start? Let's start at the top with Milwaukee, who is okay. looking on fire. Yes. Uh, so, Milwaukee is scary. I'll just start with that. Um, but my prediction on this is obviously that they're, they're going to win this one in four. Uh, it's like Blake Griffin isn't playing for the Pistons, so... To be honest, Detroit looks like they're playing injured as a team almost. Like they just don't look like themselves. Um, but Milwaukee, they honestly remind me of what the Golden State Warriors looked like in 2015. There's like a lot of swag on that team, a lot of confidence. They're sinking three point shots like crazy. And they also have like the best player on the court. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> uh, this looks like um, it could be the entering. This looks like it could be us entering into a new era of the Milwaukee Bucks, and that's that's frightening for me as a fan of the Toronto Raptors. But uh, this yeah, the series, East, I think, is already a done deal. It's it's the Milwaukee East finally gets rid of LeBron, and yeah. then they have the Bucks come on. Yeah, yeah, we, we couldn't even have like a couple years without like having the greatest player in the world in our conference. What the heck happened? Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so who do you think their opponent's going to be in the second round? Boston or Indiana? Obviously, right now, Boston's up 2-0. Yeah, so Boston's up 2-0. I, I'd chosen Boston to come out of this series. I thought it was going to be a little closer than it's looking at the moment. Um, to be honest, I, I don't think we're about to see a sweep, though. I think Indiana is still scrappy. They're, they're, gonna, they're heading home, and they, they play pretty well at home. Um, Bojan Bogdanovic, obviously, in that first game, he wasn't looking quite himself, but... He was looking a little bit more lights out in the last game. So I could see Indiana taking a couple, and but I, I, I do still think that it's Boston in this series. Uh, 
I think I'm I'm choosing Boston in six now. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I I think Indiana will win at least one. Yeah. No, I think so too. Like they well, are I think it, was it? Heck, they they should have won game two. They were in that position to win. They made some silly defensive mistakes towards the end there, and uh, also turned the ball over a few times at the end, and that's really what costed them. But uh, if they had a just you know, closed out that last game, they could have already had a, a win. True. Um, but it, it is hard to see them winning the series now, especially now that they're down two. And obviously, they don't, like it, it does hurt them not having Victor Oladipo. But heck, I don't know. They're such a surprising team, though. They can just like they can just surprise you at any time. But also, like let's be honest, playoff Kyrie is fully here for the Celtics. It looks like he's. Uh, <laughs> Uh, looks like he's ready to play above his regular season level, um, which he already did in the last game. I think he dropped 37. Yeah. Crazy. Anyways. Okay, going on to third seed Philly against Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Right now, series is 2-1. Yes. Philly is a team for me that any given night, they could be a different team. Oh, They could totally. be strong and powerful, or they can just be weak and struggling yes. <laughs> and um you know what though I, I would say i i was almost expecting them not to show up in, in game three without Embiid on the floor um joel Embiid has a way of just absolutely owning jared allen like if you watch any of the games from the regular season he would just bully him around the court and uh, he dropped 30 on him like three different times uh, so I was concerned about how they would perform in Game 3, but obviously um, Tobias Harris really stepped up, and so did J.J. Redick. I think Game 3 was a very, very important win for the 76ers, with Embiid's health being a question mark. Yeah, I, I think that now this is definitely their series to win. Like It, it always was, but that kind of cemented it right there. Uh but still, though, you never know. Like, I, I, I don't expect them to, to win out the series either. I think that Brooklyn still has another win in them. What do you think? Yeah, that makes sense. By the way, only thing I could think of about Game 3 for the Philly series, your tweet with the fart. <laughs> yeah, so, so I, I, was just, uh, I was just watching, and I, I saw them cut to Joel Embiid. They were talking about him, and you, you just clearly saw that like three of the guys on the bench had like their noses in their shirts, and were, were yeah. <laughs> and you could clearly read Embiid's lips. Be, uh, you could read Embiid's lips being all like, "Oh, who, who fired it? That's nasty." So I thought I'd just like quickly record that and throw it up on the Twitter. But <laughs> that was amazing. It was a funny moment. Um, um, yeah, no, I, I think I still have the, the Sixers to win this. Um, Oh gosh, I don't know. Maybe six games, maybe seven games, depending on if. Uh, let's say six games. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna say six also. I grew up a Philly. Well, I grew up a Dr. J fan. Oh yeah. So I always have a, and I, I can't stand Boston. Mm. With the passion, I can't stand them. Well, as a Toronto fan, I tend to be the same way. Yeah. We we get beaten up by the Red Sox. We get beaten up by. Uh, Bruins <laughs> sometimes and uh, I'm also a Buffalo Bills fan in football so I don't like seeing the Patriots win time and time again uh, yeah yeah I'm with you on that one let's say and... all right moving on to Toronto yeah Toronto Orlando well uh, 
I'll say that Kyle Lowry's back. He found his mojo. Because uh, in game one, he seemed very hesitant out there. He didn't hardly shoot, and he didn't score at all. And there's that whole narrative coming back about how Kyle Lowry doesn't show up in the playoffs. And it's, for me, it's a little bit frustrating because, like, last year, Kyle actually performed better in the playoffs than he did in the regular season. When you look at his PER, he actually raised that from, like, a, a 19.5 to, like, a 19.9. Um, I was looking into that recently. Because, like, there's always this narrative around how he always just doesn't show up in the playoffs. And I'm like, that's BS. Like, actually watch this guy. He's actually, you know, he's actually doing his thing. He's actually um, facilitating. He, uh, especially re- more re- in more recent playoffs. Um, so, anyways, it, it was a bit of a relief to see him just kind of come back with a bang in game two. He dropped 22 on on the Magic. Played good defense. Um it was nice to see that DJ Augustine isn't all of a sudden a superstar. I'm sorry. I feel like I'm really shitting on DJ Augustine. I I love him. He's, he's a he's a good guy. He had a brief stint uh, a brief stint for the Raptors, but um, yeah, he's not as good as he is in Game One. <laughs> all right, let's um, move on to the West. Oh, Round well, one. Actually, can I also just mention how proud I am of Marcus All because he's been absolutely silencing uh, Vucevic like they're freaking all star like. Uh, the defense has just been incredible watching Marcus Gasol go to work. It makes me really happy that we made that trade as a Raptors fan. Uh, he yeah, had was like a good four one. steals in that last game. It was ridiculous. Anyways, just wanted to throw that out there real quick. Actually, Toronto, what do you think the series is going to go? I didn't even ask that. Oh, right. Uh, well, you know, strangely enough, on my YouTube channel, I had predicted this was going to be a sweep, but then we went ahead and lost that game one. Uh, I'm not going to be so bold to say that we're going to win this in five now, but I'm going to I'm going to say that this is going to be in six as well. Raptors in six. All right, let's head to the West for round one right now. Okay. Warriors are beating Clippers two one. Hmm. So the Warriors are your team, right? Yes. Yeah. Well, I, I'm sure that you're happy to see that the Warriors won't get fooled again. <laughs> yeah, but uh, the Clippers and the Warriors they have interesting history, especially in the playoffs recently. Mm-hmm. And can I just say how great it is that they picked a Bogut towards oh, the end yeah, of the season no. because Cousins going out. Mm-hmm. Just Bogut's a good thing to have. Oh, totally. Yeah, I mean, like it's good just to have a, a big body who has that kind of um, like playoff switch that that he can flick. Uh, yeah, like last night when KD was pulling two defenders, he just tossed it to Bogut. Bogut gets two. And that was yeah. nice. Yeah, definitely. I, I do. I am still a little concerned that they they lost Boogie because I think Boogie has like a magnetism to him out there that means that you you can't like leave him alone and and force you know him to be the guy who who beats you because he's just that talented, right? Mm-hmm. So as a Raptors fan, I was thinking if we were to meet you guys in in the finals, my concern was always around that. It's like. They have five players on the court who you can't leave alone. Like, you can't double anybody. But now I'm thinking that that could be a question mark for them in later rounds because they're, they're, you will be able to switch off of Bogut, I think, in certain situations, but especially depending on, depending on who the defender is. Mm-hmm. Um, but in this particular round, though, like I, I don't see the Clippers winning another game. I think the Warriors are pissed. This probably lit a spark under them that they'll ride all the way into the into the finals. In my opinion, like I don't think they're going to let another team surprise them. All right, so Warriors in five. Warriors in five, yeah. 
All right, let's go to Houston, Utah. Houston's okay, up 2-0. So, yeah, Houston's up 2-0. I, I feel like I have a lot to say about this one because I thought this was going to be a much more exciting offensive versus a defensive series than it's been. My original uh, pick was Houston in seven. But now watching these first two games, I'm just realizing just how little Ricky Rubio is able to guard James Harden. He does not know how to stay stay with that man. He is not the body to put on him, I don't think, at the beginning of the game. Uh, it looks like Utah is trying to do the, the thing that Mike Budenholzer and the Milwaukee Bucks were doing in their win against Houston, where you put a guy on his left hip so he can't do that, that step-back jumper, but in mm-hmm. doing so, you're letting him drive through the lane every time. Um, when Milwaukee did it, they seemed to at least have their entire game plan in place where if he drives through the lane, then you have Lopez step up and kind of guard almost uh, Harden and Capella at the same time until the very last second when he has to make his decision. And then you also have two guys helping off the ball, one to switch on to Capella, one to sort of guard the passing lanes to keep the wide open three from happening. And you look at what Utah's doing. It's like they're trying to mimic that, but they just, they A, don't have an athletic Eric Bledsoe to to stay on Harden. They don't have a yeah. guy who can do that. And B, for some reason, former defensive player of the year, uh, Rudy Gobert, seems to be very indecisive out there, getting stuck either reacting too late or too early. And then you also don't have any length to patrol the passing lane, so there's just wide open threes happening. It seems like that entire defensive scheme is just not working out for them at all. They need to ditch it or get swept, essentially. Um, yeah, they have to work with the personnel they have. They can't. They go really do. They really do. Good. So, I, I would look for them to switch things up in this third game. If they don't, they're going to get swept. Honestly, this is it's looking like a disaster for Utah defensively. They're supposed to be an excellent defensive team. I don't really know what's going on with Quinn Snyder. Uh, he's got to make some changes, though, for sure. I would put somebody else on James Harden too, personally. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> what are your thoughts? I agree. I think Houston's going to sweep the series, though, and yeah, they'll rest up for the Warriors in round two. Yeah, no, it's it's looking like it could be a sweep, honestly. Um, I would like to be surprised. Uh, I I do like Utah as a team generally. I I think that they tend to have good defensive schemes, but they've really been disappointing me so far. So let's see what happens. But my official new prediction, I guess, would be yeah, Rockets in four. Yikes. Yeah, it'd be nice to see Utah get a win at home, but. Yeah. I just don't see it happening. Well, honestly, I'm, I'm excited to see what's going to happen, uh, I think, tonight, right? They play tonight? I believe if, so, yeah. If, if, Utah, uh, if Utah does switch things up in this Game 3, maybe, maybe I'll change my mind. But for now, yeah, it's looking like a very Houston series. All right, let's go to Portland OKC. Sure, sure. Portland's up 2-0. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, well, I think it's a deceptive 2-0 because... Portland plays out of their mind at home. Uh, they were like the, they were the, I think tied for the third best home record in the NBA. Uh, they had like a 32 and nine record. And what that means is on the flip side of things, they don't tend to play as well on the road. So uh, I, I can imagine OKC taking at least one when they go back to OKC for uh, this weekend. But Paul George is obviously a question here because I'm still seeing him do that thing where he rotates his shoulder after taking a shot. It doesn't look like his shoulder is fully back to health yet. 
What have you seen? Yeah, you know, honestly, I haven't watched much of the series. Yeah. Um, splitting my time between basketball and hockey is tough. Oh, oh, I know. That's yeah. It's 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 difficult too. I I get that. Like I've been trying to keep up on my on my Leafs too as they play, but being a, a basketball drag queen, I kind of gotta. You gotta you gotta stick with sometimes. what you're doing. <laughs> but um, uh, I do, yeah, yeah, no, um. Paul, strangely enough, I thought that Paul George was looking much more healthy heading into these playoffs. Um, like, those last couple of regular season games, he was looking great. So, in my mind, I was thinking, okay, wow, this is like the Thunder's series to win. This is going to be a six, upsetting a three. Um, and then they go down 2-0. I, I still think that the Thunder actually have a chance if they were to pull out a couple at home and then win one in in uh, in portland but uh it's really hard when you're down 2-0 though isn't it yeah 2-0 to come back the, yeah. what first game trailblazers won by five second they won by 20 yeah yeah um it's well, not looking good for okc mm-hmm. but it'll be a different game tonight and yeah i'm i'm excited to see what happens tonight too i'll, I'll be watching and I'll likely and, be flip-flopping my predictions all over the place, depending on what happens tonight. But <laughs> Yeah, you um, never know. I mean, if they, they could tie it up in the next two games, and it's a whole yeah, new right? series. And it happens all the time, too, in, in basketball. You see it happen, where, like, you lose two on the road, then you win two at home. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I think I still yeah, have to It's the not Blazers. like OKC doesn't have the, the talent. They have the talent. They do. They really do. And even, like, beyond... Paul George, they still have a great supporting team around him. Like, Russell Westbrook can take over a game if he wants to sometimes. So, um, yeah, it's this is a tough one for me, but I think I still have to choose the Blazers, only because they already have this advantage now. Yeah, makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, moving on to the final round one matchup, Denver versus the Spurs. Yes. Wow. Um, well, I, I can say that the... Denver's playoff inexperience is palpable. Uh, I watched a, a lot of their games throughout the regular season, and um, there are certain guys who just seem to not be showing up for them so much. Like, what's going on with Will Barton? Um, I, I don't know what's happening with him. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I looked at it recently. I think he's shooting like one for thirteen from three right now, which is uh, just not Will Barton. So it's uh, it's hard to to win games when you have certain guys who just aren't showing up. And um, it's, I guess it's nice to see that maybe uh, Nikola Jokic is sort of uh, feeling a little more confident in scoring himself. He seemed to be pulling the trigger a lot more in the last two games, but in game one, he seemed to be very hesitant. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe the real story is Derek White. <laughs> have, you been, have you been watching much of the series? I know this is the one that isn't really nationally televised. Yeah, not a lot of it. Yeah, um, I, I've got that NBA League Pass, so I've been you know, trying to absorb even the stuff that uh, isn't uh, out, out there for the general public. But uh, uh, yeah, uh, Derek White, I think he, he dropped 36 last night and then he had like a 16 and 17 in the other two games, which is crazy for a guy who usually only scores nine. Derek White's somebody who was, again, drafted late in the first round a couple of years back. Uh, he's... I'm not sure how Craig Popovich and R.C. Buford do this, where they just always draft somebody who's going to impact their playoffs <laughs> late in the first round. Uh, 
you know, kudos to them. Kudos to the godfather, Greg Popovich. <laughs> yeah, he can produce. Yes, he certainly can. And it seems like he, he can also outcoach Mike Malone sometimes, too. So, yeah. Um, I, I still have the Nuggets to win this one, though, to be honest. Really? Down 2-1, but I, I have them now in 7, I'd say. Interesting. Yeah, well, you know, it's just because I think that they're they're still learning how to play in the playoffs again. Like, uh, they they often call the playoffs like the second season for a reason, right? It's it's a very different feeling and a different vibe when when you're out there. So, I think it might take until you know get this game four for uh, especially the Nuggets supporting staff, like their bench, to to get into it. And once they do, then. Uh, I think it's still their series to win, believe it or not. I'm kind of just like uh, a Nikola Jokic stand, though, to be honest. I'm really into them. <laughs> yeah, I I just don't see the Nuggets winning the series. I you don't. That's I think fair. the Spurs hey, are going to Yeah. I think the Spurs are going to do it. Ooh, yay. Okay. Um, now we get to like trash talk each other after that. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I just don't see... I don't see the Spurs losing tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And I think once they're up 3-1, having just won one game with Pop as the coach, I just think it's going to happen. Mm. Well, well, you know, I, I, I see where you're coming from. I see that. But uh, I, I think I, I can see them losing the next game. And uh, if that happens, then it's a whole new series. It's a tie series. And honestly, too, I, I've also seen some like uncharacteristic mistakes coming from Greg Popovich, like in that loss that they did have. In uh, game two, he like needlessly ran in, into the court for like a timeout and like got himself a tech. Like it just didn't seem, yeah, smart on his part. Uh, I'm not saying that he's not still you know the greatest coach of all time. That he's not a better coach than Mike Malone because I I do still think he is. It's just uh, I think there there are cracks still in that team. And also personally, I've lived through many playoffs with DeMar DeRozan. And yes, DeMar DeRozan seems to be playing quite well so far, but like I've witnessed him, especially in do or die moments, falling apart in, in moments where like you absolutely need him in a close game or something. I've seen him not show up and you know what, DeMar, if you're listening out there, I love you. you still have a place in my heart. I love you so much, but I still need to see him, you know, I still need to see him just take over in a moment when when it matters the most. And uh, because I still have that doubt there, too, I think that's that might be why I'm choosing Denver still. Yeah. We will see, won't we? We will see. Yes, we will. Let's go back to the East. Jump back. Let's sure. go to round two. Oh, we're, are we going right through all the rounds? We're going to go all through the rounds. Just We're going to get to a final champion today. Okay, what happens if, if we turn out to be wrong about one of these? Do we, then do we we'll edit it later. record? <laughs> okay. No, I figure we might as well just go for it. Okay, sure. Let's do it. Um, and then you're going to be able to update on your YouTube channel. Yes, of course. For your own personal choices. So, yeah. Milwaukee and Boston, though, that should be the, the round two matchup. Yeah. I don't see Indiana or Detroit coming through. I agree with you there. It's looking that way. Who do you see advancing? Honestly, I, I, honestly, I do see Milwaukee advancing. Um, it, could, it could be a closer series. Uh, 
it's just like I said, Milwaukee is really they're looking like the next kind of dynasty whenever I watch them. They they have figured out this perfect system where they just surround the, the best, biggest player in the, in the league, essentially. Or it's not the biggest player, but uh, they surrounded the just an, an incredible freak of an athlete at, at seven feet tall with skills like a point guard um, with all these big guys who can shoot threes. And what that means is that you can't have your big guys patrolling the lane. It's just such a simple yet brilliant idea that works so well with them. And um, honestly, I know that Al Horford, I think, has been trouble with them before, but it's just... I don't see Boston having all, all the tools together to actually top Milwaukee, especially with Marcus Smart out, too. I don't think he'll be available for that series. So you're missing, like, a, a great defender who could maybe shut down uh, Eric Bledsoe. But, yeah, I, I think I have Milwaukee to win that one. It'll probably be a closer series than you would hope. what we're seeing against the Pistons right now. I would probably pick Milwaukee in six, though. Going over to uh, Philly and Toronto, if that's the matchup, which, like I said, it should be there yes. as well. Um, judging by the regular season, we really did seem to have Philadelphia's number. And by we, obviously, I'm talking about Toronto. I'm speaking in the first person as if it's oh, of course. the team. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the, the Raptors, we, we seem to have uh, Philadelphia figured out. I mean, I'm going to knock on wood for this one because I, I, I hope that that remains the case. But uh, uh, I think that between Serge Ibaka and Marcus Gasol on defense, we've got some options against Joel Embiid. I, I understand that Philadelphia has like perhaps a better starting lineup. But... I think that we just have so many different options against them on, on defense. Um, we can switch things up with many different looks. We could have we could have a, a defense out there where Pascal Siakam is our is our five, you know, where he's our center, and then it's like all of a sudden a, a small ball ish lineup where you have you know Kawhi Leonard, Pascal, OG Ananobi should be back for that series. Uh, and then, like, Danny Green, just, like, a bunch of guys patrolling the passing lanes and being able to switch onto anybody. Like, I, I, I see it being hard for the Sixers to um, to have someone like Tobias Harris take over when we have so many guys who could close out on him. And um, I don't know. Ben Simmons just doesn't scare me in the playoffs yet. Oh, well, there it is. There's my hot take. <laughs> yeah, I think... He develops a jump shot. He, he seems to be very limited, and, and uh, I'm not seeing a lot of... Uh, a lot to be scared of in him yet. Yeah, I see the East Finals being a Bucks Raptors final. Yeah, me too. And that's been my my sort of prediction since, geez, I don't know, probably back in like January <laughs> when I saw those two teams play against each other. I was like, wow, these are the teams. Who do you think goes to the final out of those two teams? I mean, my heart, my heart says the Raptors, of course, and. I can see a scenario where where we do go on to the finals, but if I had to like put my money or my life on it, I'd probably put it on Milwaukee, and that's that does break my heart to say. But um, they are such a good looking team right now. Um, 
Giannis Antetokounmpo is head and shoulders above the rest in this league. Like, yeah, it's a, it's a scary, scary team up in the Midwest there. Yeah. Let's go to the West. Okay. Warriors, Houston. To me, this is this is the Western Conference Finals. <laughs> I think whoever gets past this round wins the West. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jeez. And it's almost... It's almost to Houston's advantage that they might be facing them in the second round as opposed to the Western Conference Finals because that's like less time for Chris Paul to get hurt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's I, a tough series to choose. I, I didn't think I'd be making a prediction on that one yet. Um, I, I have to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. I hate to say it, but I think this is going to be the beginning of a rough offseason for the Warriors. I think the Warriors are going to lose probably in six or seven. And then I think KD is going to go to New York. Yeah, well, there's a lot of talk about him doing that regardless. (laughs) Yeah, well, yeah, but but I mean, just to add to insult to injury. Yeah, well, that would certainly be a good excuse for him to go. You know, like, if if they had an early exit, then he wouldn't need to give many reasons for him wanting to leave. Yeah. Um, That's another conversation. I I feel like uh, I could could talk your ear off about that as well, and this whole (laughs) speculation and the drama of of Kevin Durant. But... uh, in regards to this series, it's really hard for me to choose against the Warriors, though, to be honest. I I would, I would honestly choose the Warriors in an exciting seven-game series here. They can do it. They could beat all the teams. They just have some concentration issues. They do. And I, I almost wonder, though, if uh, that loss to the Clippers is going to be what, what shakes them up a little bit. Because, like, that, that, wasn't a, that was a meme-worthy, embarrassing loss on oh, their Oh, yeah. Part. And what was it? Watching them in the last points? game, it looks like they've already kind of come into the the next stage of, of their playoffs, the, the post-31 points uh, collapse. They've gone to this next stage with a, a little bit more of a FU attitude. So let's let's see if they carry that into the Rockets series. The Rockets is a much different team, though, than, than Los than Angeles. The Clippers, yeah. Um, all right, so you're saying Warriors still? I would still say the Warriors. I, I, honestly, if, if I were to choose a finals matchup right now, I think it's uh, Golden State versus Milwaukee. But uh, that would yeah, be a good I'd say. The Warriors. All right, so we'll say, um, and then in the East, or I'm sorry, in the West, uh, you have Portland versus Denver. Yeah. Who do you think takes that one? I think Denver takes it. I, really? I, yeah. No, I do. Honestly, I. I I think Nikola Jokic is is honestly he he's like a top five player in the league right now. He's uh, and when you have the best player on the court against who would he be matched up against for the Blazers right now? Ennis Cantor. That guy can hardly play any defense. That's true. <laughs> guy has um, more holes in his defense than I don't know Swiss cheese. But uh, and nothing against Ennis Cantor. You know that, that guy does a lot of other great things he's an activist I, I love him for many reasons but um it's I, I could see him getting picked apart by by Denver and yeah I, I think it could still be a close series like I'd probably choose the Nuggets in six all right after they you know surge back against these Spurs I, I'm just uh you know what I guess I'm, I'm a huge Denver Nuggets side fan you could say <laughs> yeah all right so then Denver and the Warriors in the West yeah. Conference finals mm-hmm. who do you think goes to the final you said Warriors right yeah, I would, I would choose the Warriors over Denver. All right, so that one, um, that one 
yeah, I'm not sure how to break that one down yet. I guess it would be. Yeah, there's so many variables before we get to that point True. that it's hard to break down truly. But, but I mean, in that last game that uh, the Warriors did play against the Nuggets in the regular season, um, the Warriors took them to town. To be honest, I'm, I'm not sure if you were watching that one, but uh, yeah, uh, it seemed like it was a playoff preview kind of vibe that they brought into that game where they just didn't take their foot off the throttle and. If the Warriors can play that way when they have to in the playoffs, then they're going to make their way back to those finals again. They're, yeah. And wouldn't that be nice? Uh, it would be nice for, <laughs> you know, those from the Bay Area. Yeah. Sure. Uh, everyone else, not everyone so Everyone else, we're, we're not very happy about it. But I'm also like a realist, though, you know? Here I am. Like, um, I don't want to see the Warriors in the finals, personally. For the fan in me doesn't want to see it. I don't want to see Milwaukee in the finals. The fan in me wants to see Toronto versus Denver, clearly. Of but, course. <laughs> I also don't know if the NBA wants to see uh, <laughs> a Denver versus... Yeah, the ratings would be interesting. Actually, even Denver versus Milwaukee might be a disaster for uh, <laughs> for the NBA. Or like San Antonio versus... If, if they were to ever go that far, they wouldn't. But uh, I, want, I wonder if... In- yeah. The NBA would want Milwaukee in the finals. I guess it's good for a new team to be there, but rankings-wise, or ratings-wise, yeah, right? Not, uh... Yeah, TV ratings-wise, uh, there there is a you know a little mythology in the past of the NBA where they talk about that uh, early two thousands seventy sixers team that made it to the finals against LA over a really good Ray Allen led Milwaukee team. Some people say that there was the fix was in for that game. Oh, yeah. uh, or sorry for that series. Uh, some people say that they didn't want Milwaukee in that finals for that reason because it wouldn't bring the same ratings. But uh, I don't know. I think that Giannis Antetokounmpo could transcend that. We're, we're getting to a different era in basketball now where a lot of young people don't watch for teams. They watch for players. And Giannis is an exciting player. True. So I, I don't think that uh, Adam Silver is going to get his, his hands messy and and <laughs> and fix anything against that series. Not that that's ever happened in the past before. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. All right. We're getting this pretty moment. long. Let me... Um, I'm going to do the, my final 20 questions with you. So my final 20 questions I ask everybody. Sure. Um, if you could have a superpower, what would it be? Oh, superpower. Um, you know what? I'm somebody who's just always trying to bring people together and have people have a good time. So I, I want to be a mind reader. Nice. I think that would help. Do you listen to podcasts? Do you have a favorite one? Oh, yeah. I Primarily, I'm listening to a lot of basketball podcasts right now. Uh, I I love Bill Simmons' podcasts, and like pretty much anything on The Ringer is great. Um, but apart from that, I also I love the WTF podcast with Mark Maron. That's a mm-hmm. good one. He's just a good interviewer, I would say. Yeah. Um, uh, what are some other ones? I was listening to the New York Times Daily podcast for a while. And then it started to get really depressing. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. How about yourself? What podcast do you listen to? So I listen to Potterless. It's a Harry okay. Potter. This, like, mid-20s guy reads Harry Potter for the first time and just he goes crazy. Uh, that's awesome. It's I actually, never actually, heard of that one before. I he actually has a, uh, a basketball one also called Horse. Okay. Um, oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, so I listen to that. I listen to a lot of just... I'm all over the board with podcasts because I use it for my commute. So every yeah, day yeah, I'm well, the same so. way. Yeah. So it, it's great when you're on the subway or what have you to 
So listen to some people chat in your ear for a minute. Yeah. Who's your first celebrity crush? I, re- I remember having, this wouldn't be my first one, but I remember recently in like high school having like a really unhealthy crush on like Jenny Slate on Saturday Night Live. I just thought she was so cool. <laughs> Which one is she? Um, she was only there for like a year or so, and now she's like doing her comedy thing elsewhere. And she's a uh, she's like a good voice actor too. Really specific crush, I know, right? Um, who else though? I think that was more of just like a personality crush too. I was like, I want to hang out with her. Oh yeah, but yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, if you could meet anyone dead or alive, who would it be? You know what? I would have loved to have met. Muhammad Ali at a time when Muhammad Ali was like at his height you know what I mean Mm -hmm. it's like not just like late life Muhammad Ali but that that would have been good I I think that would have been fun like he's just such a I don't know such an influential personality such a I, I just love how like loud and in your face he was at a time when black people weren't really supposed to be that way and yeah. there's there's something about just that confidence and that like fu attitude that I think I just fall for when it comes to people. And I, it would have been cool to say like have you know a dinner or like just or just you know go out to a club with him. That well, that would be great. Could you imagine that would be cool. a club with young Muhammad Ali. <laughs> <laughs> what is the most interesting thing you've read or seen this week? Oh, actually, I just read a really interesting article on um, on Greg Popovich and how much of a sommelier he is and his immense knowledge about wine and dining and all these other things. And that makes me want uh, Greg Popovich to take me out and wine and dine me, let me tell you. Oh, my God. Um, I yeah, would have no, never thought that. He's like a total like wine nerd, and he, and he brings out like uh, his team together for like... Uh, these like incredible restaurants like always and that's like apparently that's how he you know maintains his team chemistry and all that oh and, i just uh, read so, something about the fi- the dinners they have the team yeah, dinners yeah and like apparently like the wine list for these things are just, are just impeccable there's like wh- whenever people hear that like greg popovich and the spurs are showing up it's always like a big deal and they need to like out like source wine from like other people's cellars and like bring it in and all this stuff like it's actually a an event and that, that was just so interesting because it's just a side to greg popovich that i did not know about yeah interesting yeah that is interesting mm-hmm. i can forward you the, the article if you'd like oh sure yeah <laughs> um what's the a recent streaming obsession you have do you binge watch, binge watch tv or watch any tv oh yeah um i was binge watching like all of queer eye when it, when the third season came out i mm-hmm. love queer eye uh, whenever I, I watch that show, I I tend to just start to you know go clothes shopping and I rearrange my house and stuff. <laughs> Bojack Horseman is a, a show that I really love. Okay, which fictional character would you like to meet in real life? Mm, I would love to hang out with Omar from The Wire. Okay. Uh, yeah, no, uh, I think that would be cool because uh, he's he's a hero of mine in like. Did you watch The Wire? No, but okay. I know who you're talking about. But but you you know like his chick, he's he's like just the most badass gay gangster that has ever existed, and yeah. uh, played by Michael K. Williams. And 
who's just also a very attractive gentleman. And um, I, yeah, I think that just, you know, Omar could just like toss me a piece and we could go stick up some some drug dealers and, you know, Robin Hood the shit out of that place. It, it, it'd be great. <laughs> All right. If animals could talk, which animal would be the most annoying? Oh. And right on cue, my dog starts barking. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I would say dogs because like I, I think only only like a small dog might be annoying. Like, mm-hmm. A lot of large dogs are like kind of chill and cool and I feel like they'd be able to share some wisdom. So instead, I would say, um, oh, you know what? I think a mosquito would be pretty annoying. Oh, yeah. Or like really any flying bug, especially any any bug that can swarm. Like, can you just, can you just imagine like a, a whole bunch of gnats just like all talking at you at the same time? Like, oh, just <laughs> I, I would not be about that. Yeah. Also, um, like it would make it harder for you to want to kill them because then you, you know that like they have a personality and probably like a family or something. And they could sure. yell out their family member's name before you swat them off your arm. So it's like, oh, geez, I have to feel guilty about this, you know. I already have enough guilt in my life. Yeah, actually, it reminds me, I went to Iowa to visit family years ago and just driving through these big, thick bugs that are dying on the window. Oh. And I could just imagine their final words now, so thanks for that. Or just, like, having to hear, oh, shit, oh, like, yeah. each time before they hit your window. Who inspires you? Who inspires me? Oh, my mom inspires me. My brother inspires me. Also, RuPaul inspires me, I guess, like, because I, I just like that RuPaul is making drag so mainstream i guess and that, that's really cool some of the other drag queens in toronto i'll, I'll give them a couple shout outs why not so uh pearl harbor is a inspiration to me just doing some really wild and wacky style of drag uh, same with seance same with jacqueline hyde lady counterpunt just a bunch of these are all people who i know personally so like, these aren't people who are you know celebrities or nothing i guess but uh mm-hmm. who else inspires me uh, you know what? Kawhi Leonard inspires me. Really, I I know his whole like backstory. He comes from a, a place of hurt, a point in his life that I can identify with and understand. And I, he inspires me because he, he just goes out there and he works. I love that. What's your favorite word? My favorite word, mm, smorgasbord. What is your least favorite word? Probably like really any any word that might like inspire hate or any word that could be hurtful towards somebody. I I feel like I would just generally not like. Okay. Uh, like sense. any sort of slur in particular maybe the, the f-bomb not fuck but the other one yeah and i only say that because like otherwise i'm just a very wordy person like i i love writing so i i don't think i can dislike any other word like i like to use anything else in, in our language to to its fullest but anything that's only used to take people down i think is is a bad thing all right what turns you on creatively spiritually or emotionally Whenever I see somebody who's being 100% just unapologetically themselves, that inspires me. Like, I, I love it when someone's just being fully honest and like not not trying to put on a show for anybody, not trying to impress, just being themselves. You know, that's. I think it, it's actually quite hard to come by and quite hard to even be yourself sometimes. And it's something to strive to be. It's just more and more honestly yourself. Uh, I think I'm always inspired whenever I encounter people who are like that. What turns you off? Pe- people who like. Oh, this is just, this is going to sound like the opposite of what my turn on is, but anyone who like lies a lot or or has to rely on stories to kind of like bolster themselves. That makes sense. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. What is your favorite curse word? I mean, I use "fuck" more than anything, but that's not my favorite. <laughs> um. 
I like using tits as as a swear word. It's always fun when you're like, oh, tits. You're like, <laughs> all right. Oh, bless my tits. Stuff like that. It's fun. <laughs> what sound and noise do you love? I love I love just being out in the middle of a great Canadian forest. You know what I mean? Like just out in nature where you just hear birds. So I guess maybe that's my like my real response is I love birds singing. I love the wind blowing through my hair and past my ears. Just like that kind of quiet that you only get when you're away from the big city. And um, yeah, I, I love all sorts of bird calls. I'm kind of a, a bird nerd a little bit. So uh, yeah, I, I love hearing the birds singing. What sound or noise do you hate? Mm, I, I kind of, I, I'm annoyed by people who chew really loudly <laughs> or like mm. if they chew with like, their mouth open or something and you hear it very loudly and clearly. That's, that's kind of annoying, yeah. Right. And some people can't even like control it, which is a shame. I, I've learned like there are some people who, who uh, just naturally, even with like a mouth closed, have a very loud chew. Yeah. yeah. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Mm. Uh, oh, I would love to like be a filmmaker. That that might even still be in my cards in the future if I, if I uh, keep experimenting with things. But uh, I'd love to like create long form stories uh, i've always sort of been like a bit of a storyteller and in a way i'm trying to introduce that more into what i'm doing with my youtube channel what profession would you not like to do mm, i've already learned that i'm not a good server or a, a good bartender i'm not Those sure are what tough it jobs that's it's a tough job and all, all the props to anyone in the service industry because like I've tried to make it work as that before, and it's just, it's a lot of stress for me, which is strange because, like, I've, I've worked other jobs that other people might consider to be much more stressful, but for me, that service industry stuff is so stressful. Yeah. Yeah. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Oh, hey, a kid. Yeah, you figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. All the stuff they were teaching you was all BS. I didn't say any of that. What I did say is love each other, and you did that. Good for you. High five. The final question I ask, um, the, one of the reasons why I do this is because I want teens to know that there are people like them. I am tired of hearing about kids killing themselves because they feel alone or they're being bullied. And mm. so this is my little part in, in stopping that. So if you had the chance to tell a 12-year-old person either you as a 12-year-old or just some random boy or girl about their sexuality and what they should feel and, and just something to help them deal with that. What would you tell them? I would say that you might not have it all figured out right now, but it is going to get better. And that sounds maybe a little cliche now, but uh, you can't expect to have your entire sexuality and your entire place in sexuality figured out right away and it's going to take some experimentation it's going to take some heartbreak it's going to take a lot of hurt but eventually you're going to become very comfortable in your skin and as soon as you start to really love the parts of yourself that you probably don't right now then you will be on the right path and you will be much happier i guess sorry, i'm getting emotional now just trying to think about it <laughs> oh, i'm sorry <laughs> yeah no it's don't be sorry it's okay i'm just uh ah oh, geez i'm trying to think of what i would say to myself i guess <laughs> 
You know no, what I'd I... say to myself? I think it's just that I, I would say if, if I were seeing myself as a teenager now, I would say you are on the right path. It might not feel like it right now, but just keep being you and don't let anyone uh, don't let anyone try and take away the parts of you that you love yourself because you are a great person. You have so much light to share in the world. Just keep being yourself and keep being you and love who you want to love and be who you want to be. And don't take no for an answer. Cool. I like that. Yeah. Well, Coco, this has been fun. All right. Well, thank you so much, Randy. Thank you for having me. This has been great.